Welcome to episode five of an axe throwing podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Bill Feinberg. Uh, today, uh, today's guest is Fran Lopez, aka Franimal or the Frandalorian. Um, so, all right, Fran, uh, I guess just kind of tell us about yourself. Like, you know, like where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So, like, we'll get into how you got started axe throwing first, but I want to know, like, kind of the path before axe throwing. Oh, the before times. <laughs> So for me, um, I was actually born in D.C. and grew up in Northern Virginia. So from there, you know, went went through everything until high school. And then after that, I was like, you know, I want to study international business. And my family was like, well, if you want to study international business, you know, get your butt out of the country. So I moved to England for my undergrad and my postgrad and lived in Manchester. So way up north. And that was a lot of fun. And then basically moved back to Northern Virginia after graduating. Cool. So you, so you said you lived in England. Uh, this is a real dumb question. Um, but I have, I have some friends from England and when I hang out with them for too long, uh, I subconsciously start developing a little bit of an English. Like, I'll just like my questions, like you want another round. And they're like, did you do that on purpose? Are you mocking me? Like, <laughs> nope, this is, I was, as, it was as weird for you as it was for me. Yep. No, I, I totally get that, especially because, you know, being there for four years, I would say I had a little bit of an accent, but that, that absolutely died the minute I moved back. Yeah. I have some friends from Philly and when they get real drunk, uh, their Philly comes out and it's my favorite. Is it just, you know, gritty cursing? Cause that, that I think counts. Uh, I think that my favorite example is like, uh, like sober Philly friends. They're like, Oh, like, you know, super Mario drunk Philly friend, like super Mario. <laughs> I love my, there's, they're not even they're like, actually, technically it is an ax throwing friend, but he doesn't do ax throwing anymore. But my first time throwing axes was at his birthday. Anyway, I digress. Um, Cool. So tell us how you got started axe throwing, right? Yep. So I started, the first time I went axe throwing was in December of 2018. So I actually organized this axe throwing party. Um, I was at Kraken Axes in DC. And we honestly just got a bunch of friends that were around for the holidays. So if you can imagine like that week in between Christmas and New Year, you're not really sure what day it is. And we're like, hey, it's 10 o'clock at night. Let's just get 30 of our closest friends together and try this new thing called axe throwing. So that was my first night. I ended up like being the second seed after all the qualifying throughs. And I just lost my mind. Like as someone who's not coordinated in real life, I was just floored that I could even get it to stick. And that's when I really fell in love with the sport and looked it up and I was like, I got to do this more often. Yeah. I, so I, I got started. I can't touch it, but it was, just, it was just like a friend's birthday. And I was terrible when I started. Like, I don't think I stuck at all for like my first like 40 throws. And I just like, but I kept changing like every variable, every throw. Yep. And then you're like, how do well, what is working? Nothing. <laughs> Like all of it is not working together. Uh, and then like I finally stuck one. I'm like, all right, what did I just do? Just try and do most of that again. Uh, and then I like learned to just change one variable at a time. And then I ended up like coming in like second. And I was like, this was like, do you want to sign? You want to do a league? Like, yes. Uh, and then like, do you want to just this be your life? Like, yes. Um, but do you want do you want people to shut up and take your money? Yes. <laughs> yes. That. Uh, it, <laughs> 
I loved hearing Dolan's story about like I won this much money as and I'm a I'm I'm real like well known competitor in the action. Like how much did you lose on the year? Like oh I only lost I only lost uh, four digits in axe throwing this year from because I did so well. <laughs> like, like success is you're like oh success I only lost four digits instead of five digits of dollars this year. I actually set up I have this app called Capital and I set up this financial goal <laughs> to fund my axe throwing habit. It's like, you know, you pay yourself first before you go out and spend money. I, I pay my axe throwing account first <laughs> before I do anything else. That's awesome. I uh, I don't think I've ever made a single dollar from axe throwing. Um, yes. Nah, it's it's not like I'm I'm scared that if I did then like then it'd be like i'm terrified of stuff i like becoming a job like when i was in community college i had like had a i worked as yeah, like i worked at like a best buy but i had like a guitar center inside of it. it was a weird experiment best buy was doing and i like i finally am making a living from music it's like but not really it's a big asterisk on it and like this kind of sucks i now i hate work and music no definitely and and that's the last thing we want to do in axe throwing is like we're throwing axes for God's sake. Like we should be having fun doing it. I, I used to be more competitive and like, I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to sign up for the thing. If I don't think I have a chance or like, I'm not going to go to that tournament. If I don't think I compete, like it's just like, and I'm, I'm glad I've like gotten, I've done better, made progress. on like getting rid of that part. Like just go have fun. Like I've, yes. there's never been a time where like, man, I really regretted going to that tournament. No, I, I totally feel the same way. I feel like there's kind of, you know, when you see those memes online where they kind of go through phases and, and you go up, down, and you're like trying to climb this mountain. Well, that's that's kind of the same way with me for axe throwing. Because like I said, you know, found this new shiny thing that I'm randomly like can stick and I'm so excited and feeling, you know, super powerful. And then it's like, oh, God, I actually have to like figure out how to stick this consistently. Wow, there's so many other people who are better than me. And then it's like all this fear mongering comes in. And I feel like the pandemic really opened my eyes because when I had axe throwing taken away from me for months at a time, it was really a lot of effort to realize, yeah, the scores and all are great, but I love it for so many other reasons. And that's what made me want to come back and do more things and try more things and fail at more things. Because the beauty of axe throwing is not just you know, the score and that beautiful, perfect game, but it's the memories and the people along the way that I would have never met otherwise. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like some of my favorite nights when I lived in Austin were like, you know, all right, Hey, we're going out after league playoffs. And it's just like, uh, and it's just like, it's not, it's a party, but it's not like a party party. It's just like, it's just a community, you know? Um, yeah. so, and so where, where do you throw out of currently? So it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll take it two at a time. So for IETF, I actually was traveling for work to Charlotte. So the first league I ever threw out of was actually Axe Club of America out in Charlotte. And all those venues were bought over by Battle. So now I would technically have had my IET, original IETF league be um, Battle Loso and Battle OG Plaza in Charlotte. And then after I stopped traveling for work during the pandemic, the closest IETF venue was Urban Baltimore. And that was just awesome. I mean, the home of the Urban Open, like just a fantastic group of people. And then 
on the Waddle side, um, a Waddle venue actually opened up near me in Northern Virginia, which is Axes and O's. So I'm thrown out of there now, too. Okay. So I, I was actually just in Charlotte on a road trip not too long ago uh, to go see a band from Richmond, Virginia. I went to go see, uh, I don't know if you know who Avail is, but I went to go see Avail and Hot Water Music in Carborough, North Carolina. So uh, oh. there was there was a regional tournament in Charlotte that weekend, and I was like, maybe I'll do I wanted to, but we didn't get back to Charlotte. Like, we stayed the night in Carborough, but, but I also, like, like, I try and, like, all right, if I'm on vacation like with my wife and my dogs so like like hey, I'm a non-ex-throwing go. vacation it, what's that I, I it's weird i know right um but so so it's cool like uh but i, I thought about going to that charlotte regional um to, like even just to go hang out like just to like just yeah. pop in and watch and like just maybe try, but i'm like i'm hungry we got in late and, uh maybe, maybe next time so. definitely next time so and so so you throw both IETF and Waddle. Do, uh, do you do like all the disciplines for Waddle? Or are you so for Waddle? I do everything except knives. Um, our venue currently doesn't have knives yet, but that is something that I'll I'll try it eventually. Try anything a couple times. Makes sense. I still haven't thrown Waddle knives. Like uh, I I feel like I I only do like hatchet waddle like there's no there's no iatf in oklahoma that i know of uh mm-hmm. if like i've thought about trying to start one but like i don't know how to do that and that sounds expensive um but uh but you already have a big axe just saying and it's collecting dots I've, I've been neglecting my agdor um but I guess I guess that kind of like what like what are you throwing what so like uh like you know what 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 axes are you throwing for the different disciplines so I heard like in Dol- in the podcast you did with Dolan that he spent a lot of money on custom axes and I love custom axes. I love going to a maker and figuring out what they want to try and what's new together. So currently for Waddle, after spending all this money on custom axes, I'm throwing a beat to hell um ace of spades gen one on like an 18 inch handle and it's actually my duels axe as well but i got so used to that weight after like trying so many different axes i'm like you know if it works for duel it probably works for my hatchet throw so throwing that so do you is there any so you said like that's a a gen one ace of spades because like those are hard to come by so like duels is kind of risky so like if you i mean you could rehandle it uh, if you you mess up the handle (laughs) okay a lot but obviously, like if uh, if it goes down in the middle of a match, you're like uh oh. <laughs> yep, and that's the risk with it. But it's like, well, it survived duels all this time. You know, it it's with my it's with me for a reason. Oh, yeah, I still haven't done a duels league. I think I like right now. Like I think at Twisted Axe is like hatchets on Sunday and um like big axe and duels are on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I tell myself that if they were on the same day, that I'd be more inclined to do it. But it's also like um. I'm like I I after moving out of Austin because Austin had like real traffic and it drove me insane and now like in Oklahoma City they don't have traffic but like I've just lowered my threshold for traffic and so like Twisted Axis is like 20 to 25 minutes for me and like and that's far in my brain now and I hate myself for it like that's not far like (laughs) I've I used to bike farther than that to work (laughs) that's like to the grocery store and back maybe that's kind of why I moved out of Austin. Like the closest grocery store is 15 minutes away. I'm like now like 
the like though there's grocery store five minutes away, but the cost is you live in Oklahoma. I I I love Oklahoma, but I I I think I just like underdog states. I'm from Ohio, so like like <laughs> I'm used to like apologizing for Cleveland and uh, but. So, so, so you were, you were doing league while traveling, right? Yep. So I did my IETF league while traveling. I actually didn't pick up Waddle until the pandemic started. Yeah, I, this is, I, I didn't say, I guess same. I, I didn't do my first Waddle league until 2021, like January, 2021 was my first Waddle league. Okay. Did, did you, did, so like while traveling a lot, did you like, were you missing a lot of leagues or like a lot of like weeks? Yeah, so my friends would definitely say down in Charlotte that they would joke. They made me actually stand up at the last IATC because they're like, oh, yeah, Fran, stand up for the attendance award as a joke <laughs> because I missed so many leagues. And I was like, you guys suck. Would you so like did you have any kind of control over your travel? You're like, all right, I can week I can miss week two of league, but like week eight, is, I cannot miss week eight. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely told all my coworkers, like everyone at work knows I throw. I, I'm known as the person that throws at work. So they're like, oh, yeah, we, we can't touch Fran on this night. No late meetings, no team dinners. Everyone knows. I've even brought my coworkers when we were traveling to Charlotte um, axe throwing lunch, which which was so much fun. I've had this weird triangle happen with axe throwing and coworkers where uh so like obviously we both know Dolan. Shout out to Dolan because Dolan's the one that made the introduction so that you could be on the podcast. That was cool. Also, if anybody else has like if you, there's people you guys want to hear like if you have questions for people like I I just want to hear people's stories and like so uh, I'm I'm taking recommendations if anybody has them. Um, but so I met Dolan through axe throwing right at Urban Axes Austin. Uh, I used to work for a tech company in uh, in Austin called Uship, right? And one of my coworkers. His name Chris Hergelt, Sleeves. Uh, I used to work with him. And then the company did like a, like it, it became like one of like the go-to company hangout retreat type things. Like, and it just became like the default, right? Um, right. And so then Sleeves signed up for axe throwing. And so then like, like you have this person who you know in two different like kind of social contexts. And then like they eventually like, and then, then when I like changed jobs, then like one of those contacts went away and you're like, and you're like, how do you know Chris Hergel? You're like, uh, I guess it depends on the contact. Okay. I, I met him at, at work, but I know him through ax throwing and now Dolan works with him and it completed this weird social triangle. I absolutely love that. Like, um, at, at axes and O's, the league is now like 30 people, 30 something people. And, you know, I'm talking to people for months and suddenly I overhear these two guys talking and I'm like, Hey, do you work for this company? And they're like, Oh yeah. Why? I was like, so do I. And it was kind of like this thing where we did like that Spider-Man meme, like, wait, you, you, we've known each other for like three or six months and this never came up, which is kind of a good thing. Cause it shows how relaxed and like how much fun we're having, but small world. That's funny. You're like, Oh, y'all are coworkers. Yeah, but we didn't know it until now. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Now, um, oh, uh, so when when uh, when Dolan, I, I asked him, like, all right, Dolan, is there anything you want me to ask Fran? He said, uh, ask what was it like beating Mike Philibaum in Worlds? So Mike, I will say, is an awesome guy. And one of the things that I would say that I've only known Mike being perfectly candid since like last summer. So 
basically since last summer, Mike and I have played each other at every single <laughs> axe throwing tournament I have been to. So it's kind of like, you know, they really say it's a random seed or whatever, but it's like, no, no, no. Whatever squirrels behind Anthony's spreadsheet is making sure that this matchup happens. So the first two times I played Mike, um, I lost to him, but he was so encouraging every single time he was, he would come up to me and be like, Fran, you're right there. I'm waiting for it. Like he was my hype man throughout all of this. And every single time we played, it got a little closer, a little better. And then I did, you know, it's worlds. Everyone's trying to train as hard as they can. And one of the things that um, my two friends, Brittany and David Klein did for me was it's like the last practice before worlds, like the night before Christmas type thing. We're all going to get on a plane in two days. And I'm just like, okay, I really need to practice because I think I'm going to play Philbomb. And they're like, all right, we'll come out. They actually went and we practiced me with my big X on one target and the two of them throwing duels in the other. And they said, okay, we're going to be Mike Philbom together, our combined score. And you can throw your big X. And if you beat us, that means you have a chance. And so I beat them that night and I was like, all right, okay, maybe I do have a chance. But it, it was like, all my friends were trying to help me like together. And it wasn't just something that I did by myself, but it, it was a collection of all my friends together, including Mike, just trying to root for me. So at Worlds, when the matchup finally happened, I was looking forward to it because at this point, it wasn't me versus Mike. It was Mike and I versus the boards trying to be the best for each other. And I remember vividly telling Mike, because he, he plays Pokemon Go and I play Pokemon Go. And I was like, hey, you want to bet a Pokemon on this? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so click axes, bet a Pokemon. And I don't remember much of what I was feeling in the moment other than I was in a very happy place, but kind of like in the zone where it's all fuzzy. And then at when it finally got to like round three and they said I won, I kind of like basically dumped a cold bucket of ice on myself. And I was like, I did what now? <laughs> which, which, uh, which Pokemon did you bet? I might, if it's like a red or a blue, I might know, but otherwise I'm out of my Pokemon depth. You know, I have not called it in yet. It, it's one of those things where Mike and I actually played again at Capital City Classic, and I jokingly asked him again. I said, you want to bet another Pokemon? And he's like, Fran, I'm going to be out at the rate <laughs> we play each other. That's awesome. Uh, just, just a completely unexpected question. Uh, you know, people have like the what's your spirit animal? Uh, I guess, is that is there like a Pokemon version? Like if somebody asked like, all right, if you were Pokemon, which Pokemon would you be? I, I I think there's like two answers to that question. There's what I perceive I am on the inside and what I think I actually am. Like, I would totally say that I would like to be, you know, a Charizard. But spiritually, I'm like a Yamper, which is basically a, a, a Corgi Pokemon. So two, two different things. 
I, uh, I got into like a philosophical discussion with a cousin one time where uh, we were talking about how like most people are Magikarp. They could be Gyarados if they applied themselves, but most of them never will. And so they just flop around just going through life. That is the saddest <laughs> description. <laughs> well, you know, being candid, like sometimes I feel like my game can be Magikarp. So I will take that metaphor. <laughs> no, I'm I'm totally a Magikarp. Like that or like a Psyduck or like a... <laughs> Like I, I'm, like I, it's funny. Like I, I'm. I used to think I was good at axe throwing, and then like I like moved around and started throwing other leagues. I'm like, oh yeah, there's like a whole lot of other people, <laughs> and and you get there like okay, like um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the the competition side is not where I can contribute most. <laughs> well, I think good is very subjective because what what I've had to work on with myself and and what I tell people who are getting into axe throwing for the first time is don't assume that the goal is to be x metric whether it's like a world champion or whatever it's fine if you want that goal but you know the average person doesn't stop going to the gym or to the dance class they love if they don't make the olympics you know what I mean? Like there is still joy to be had along that journey. And I struggle with that. Like I, I look at my metrics, I practice, or if I get an injury and I feel like I get a setback for whatever reason, if I don't feel like I perform, it takes me a while to just be like, oh yeah, I, I enjoy being here for the sake of spending time with my friends and and making new memories. But that's where I think growing with the sport is not just physical, but working through all those mental hurdles as well. And my goals have changed over the years. Like in the pandemic, it was very much like, I didn't give a crap what I threw. I just want to see people. I want to see my friends that I miss dearly. Um, And so that's evolved to like, oh, hey, I tried Waddle. Now it's kind of like relearning the sport from a different lens. And now I have different goals with that. So it's, I, I feel like I'm trying to say, to myself like it's okay to be fluid with these goals and dreams oh for sure like yeah my goals have have definitely changed um i i think you you kind of touched on something a little bit ago how you started in itf and then kind of transitioned to waddle or like added waddle but like after you've been throwing itf for a while because i had similar background mm-hmm. um and it was really interesting to like kind of like I guess like what was your kind of perspective on like just like the formats right because I, I I feel like for I don't know at least a year or so there was almost like I feel it, and it could just be like my calibration was off but like I feel like I kind of sensed like there was almost this like rivalry or like oh, okay like you know like this like you know like inferiority superiority but like in both like in in either direction right. Um, I don't know if like you kind of sense that or like, oh, you know, like the like the best people are doing this or that I like and I could have I probably completely missed that. But I don't know if you like you kind of had any of that. And then when you finally got to throw the other one, you're like, I don't know, there's things I really like about this one that I like way more than that one. Like, for example, I like the even throws on both boards. You know, like it gets wild. Like I also like the the over or the the sudden death doesn't go on forever. Yep. And and I totally feel that way when something is new as well so it's like when people are throwing either iatf or waddle i feel like the last two years there's been more of a convergence of doing both 
and trying both because you're absolutely right. There's there's pros and cons to each. And and the way I kind of view it is like Coke and Pepsi. Okay, people are going to have really strong opinions. At the end of the day, it's a drink and we all want to hang out and throw stuff together. So I really encourage people, you know, whether you lean one way or another, just respect that we both want to be together throwing axes after all this crap that we've been through the last two years. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like after having thrown model for a year, like them, like, Oh no, all of any of those like kind of perceptions were pretty much unfounded and all like, and you know, just like me misreading stuff or like, but yeah, I, so, oh, I think um, one of the things that you, you said, you mentioned you liked custom axes for, for hatchet. You were doing, um, an 18 inch ace of spades. What about mm-hmm. big axe? What are you throwing for big axe? So big axe right now is like my favorite event by far. Even when I had just learned IETF, I love taking someone to big axe because as someone who's like five, two, you're telling me I'm throwing something that's literally half my height at a board. Um, that's pretty cool. So I, I agree. I wait, wait, when you put it in those terms, it makes it even more cool. I appreciate it. Well, I'm bullseye height, so that helps. But, you know, um, so I would say for Big Axe, um, my main thrower right now is actually a culmination of three different makers that was a labor of love last summer. So I got a distal steel head from Marcus Brown. So that was the base. And then I sent it over to Jessica Renner. And we decided that it was going to be a Cobra Kai themed axe. So on one side um, where the blade um, opens up to like the four inches or whatever, it's actually Cobra fangs. So it's an entire Cobra head etched on one side. And the other side of it says no mercy. So Jessica did that etching. And then Josh Taylor, who I spent time with last spring, I actually went down to Hickory, spent the entire day with him, like figured out what types of handles I like and got to choose wood from like the wood shop near his place. That was so much fun. Um, He actually made me a twisted black and yellow veneer um, handle. So basically it's the cobra snake wrapping around the axe. And that, and when I got that, it's like, yeah, this is a badass axe. So th- that that ultimately became my main thrower as soon as I got it. Tell me more about like, so you said you got to like go down to like a wood shop and just try out a bunch of different like. So we're we're like there are a bunch of axes like already hung, and you're like, oh, this is this wood, and this is that wood, and this is that, and like so you just like and you just kind of line them up and just go throw like I don't know ten throws each or something to like I like the feel of this one. Like what what was that process like? So coming from IATF, I threw a stock ag door, 28 inches, nothing special. So that was kind of like my base of what I knew I liked and enjoyed throwing. So when I went down to visit Josh, he actually took me to the exotic wood store. And I kid you not, we spent four hours just walking aisle by aisle, talking pros and cons, just helping me understand the craft. So it really felt like a wand chooses the wizard type of moment that cool. exactly like it opened my eyes to just the entire world of possibilities that I didn't even think about when I was, you know, buying a stock axe or I, you know, I had bought a couple axes before from people, but I'd never been able to sit down and design with someone 
from the ground up. So he actually had made me some handles that he had ready for hatchets and big X. And so we tried them out, tweaked them, um, and went from there, but it really was go pick a piece of wood, see if you like it. This is the finish and let's go from there. So it was just a whole day thing that really made me appreciate the love that each maker puts into their craft. That that's one of the things that I didn't expect when I started throwing. Like when I first joined league, I'm like, oh, cool. This is going to be like, this is a sport, right? Like that, like that, right. like this. Um, and then just to see, and it, it, cause it's not just like, it's not just the axes, right? Like, and it's not just the handles and it's not mm-hmm. just the sheaths. Like, like there's just been so many different, like, I feel like ax throwing is almost like its own kind of art outlet. Absolutely. Like I absolutely view every single maker that I get to work with as an artist. Like I would have no problem taking each of my axes that I've gotten, putting it up on a mantelpiece when all is said and done and saying, you know, this is what I love. And these are the people I love. And they made me this piece because I definitely believe that when a friend makes something for you, especially an axe, to have that spirit of your friend with you as you're throwing, especially in a sport where it's like, you know, it's, it can be feel isolating when you're standing up there on the spotlight and in a lane by yourself to have that spirit of your friend with you and be like, you know what, whatever it is, whatever that throw is, it's okay because my friends are still with me in that ax. That's cool. I've never thought about it like that, at least in terms of like ax throwing, like I used to play music and I have like some old recordings from my band. Also, like I was just a rhythm guitarist. I contributed nothing. I don't even think I'm on the recordings. Like I might be on one. They're like, oh, could you send me some of your old band? Like, I don't think I can. I could just be BSing right now. But like, and I'll have times I'm like, oh man, I miss, I miss my, my, my old bandmates. And I'll like go like find one of the recordings that I'm not on. And it's me like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with George, Ryan and Dave. Like, um, yeah. but like to think about it, like an ax throwing, you're like, you're like, you're, you know, you're holding an ax that your friend made. You're like, oh, I'm hanging out with Josh right now. Like. That, that's exactly it. Especially when it's like different makers as well. Like, um, so I'm also working with David Klein from DMV Axes. We're trying out some new stuff that has to do with resin and things like that. And this has been going on since like the fall. But it's it's also a creative outlet for me to help design, whether it be a sheath from like Patient Zero, who she is fantastic and is making a Cobra Kai sheath for my axe that's like comic book themed as well like as someone who doesn't have artistic talents from a drawing perspective like i i enjoy taking pictures i'm not jesse but you know i enjoy taking pictures to have a creative outlet that combines the gifts that my friends have and also is an outlet for me who has kind of like a very technology heavy and analytical job it, it it's fulfillment on another level as well and to use it in a sport that i love is like the icing on top yeah, I, uh, that's kind of like one of the things that like I wanted to do with the podcast is because like I, I'm not like a creative artist person, but I'm I, like I love like Lego and I'm like, oh, I, like I'm good at putting stuff together, like uh, just putting pre like things that already exist. And maybe what if I smush these two things together? Uh, and so I'm like, oh, I have some audio knowledge and like, oh, I know some people like uh, maybe some people want to tell their stories. Um, 
Cool. Um, oh, what are, what are the like the specs on the axes that you're throwing? Like, so like, do you, do you use the same big axe for Waddle and IETF, or do you have different ones? So I use different ones. So for IETF, I still love my tried and true stock Agdor. <clears throat> no modifications to that. The distal seal that I'm throwing now is 27 inches on a slightly curved handle. So Josh curved the handle to my hand. So that's very helpful for me because I have small hands. Um, and I throw two handed. So sometimes handles that come in stock are not the right type of finish, or they're just too big for me because I'm a two handed thrower. That's definitely helped in terms of getting custom handles to help me feel more balanced and stable as a thrower. Did you, um, did you always throw two-handed? Have you ever tried to throw big X one-handed? I tried to throw my stock Agdor one-handed one time. And my shoulder got real mad at me. Yeah. Speaking of shoulder injuries. So I actually, one of the reasons I took up back throwing on a regular basis is I tore my rotator cuff in yoga and I was in physical therapy at the time. And they were like, Oh, you need to do like some arm exercises. Otherwise you're not going to have like range of movement. And I was like, Oh, this axe throwing thing seems like a good strengthener. And so I did try throwing one handed and, um, you know, that injury doesn't bother me a lot, but when it does, it's after a, a very long weekend of throwing. So I've tried throwing one handed. I can do, I can do it a little bit if it comes down to it, but you know, my preference is still two handed, but I can, I can still do one and a half and underhand if the time calls for it, but not, not for a whole day. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, I have a, like whenever I'm like, Oh, I'm going to practice a lot this time. Like I don't notice fatigue setting in until it's too late. And then it's like, well, shot myself in the foot. <laughs> yep. One of, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I just got from Rander. So Rander, um, Zach Crawford and Josh and I went out and talk a, taught a clinic at USA Axe Throwing in Fargo about two weeks ago. And we had an awesome time, just the biggest welcome from Nikki and Dustin. But this was going to be my first weekend throwing back-to-back -back marathon leagues. I usually try not to do it because of my shoulder and I don't want to aggravate it. Um, so hatchet, we did like half a hatchet league on Friday and then half a hatchet on Saturday straight into big X. And that, that was like a long day. And Rander was helping me with all these new stretches. And he's like, Fran, don't waste your steps and think that stretching is separate. When you're walking back, do these types of stretches step this type of way to keep your hips open and, and all these, these other tricks. And I was like, you're right. I don't have to think of stretching and taking care of my body as separate. I can do it while I'm in the moment at these very long tournaments and days. So totally different way of thinking. I didn't think about before. Yeah. I'd never even consider that. Like I knew like NFL teams will like monitor the player's steps to like, like, I think like the Rams are like, Oh, like they'll make like, Oh, you, you, you take practice off today. Like you took, you walked too far. Um, but I never, never thought about that in terms of like X throwing. But now well, one I will. The, yeah. And, and one of the things I started doing for myself is um, when I'm working on like my mental game and my physical game, especially at these tournaments, I started wearing um, a Fitbit the last year. And one of the things I notice is kind of like, this is the heart rate range where I feel I'm more likely to perform better. So it's like, I know from 109 to like 120 is where I kind of want to be. And if I'm ratcheted up to like 145, I need to go take a beat 
calm down. Or if it's too low, it's like, okay, need to go wake myself up a little bit. Have you ever like, right? I, I forget what like the time limit is, but like when they call your name, right? Mm-hmm. You have what, 10 minutes or something like to get to the lane? Yep. Like, have you ever like got to the lane and then like checked Fitbit? You're like, oh, a uh, little, little too wound up right now. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take some of these extra minutes. <laughs> I mean, I actually have gone up to my opponent and said, hey, I know you just threw a match and I just threw a match. Do you want to take a minute? And we'll both and inevitably the person's like, actually, yeah, that, you know, that'd be really nice. Like, can I get my water? Yeah, sure thing. And I feel like everyone's their better self when you have just like a minute to collect yourself because we're running around, especially when you get later in a tournament. If, you know, it's a good day and you're just playing back to back to back, you know, sometimes it's hours when you're just like, can everyone just give me like a minute to breathe? That'd be great. <laughs> I'm trying to th- um, so uh, I don't know what it's like to make it far into uh, like a tournament tournament. So <laughs> I'll have to imagine. But um, so I like do you, or because one of the things that like I've developed a reputation for being like a fast thrower. Like I've actually been warned by judges where like I'm like all right, <laughs> like like my opponents like they're like as basically as soon as that second foot like crosses the line and their their back might still be to the board. I'm like all right, I threw. Uh, <laughs> it's but I, like in my head it's more like like I'm my own worst enemy and I'm like the longer I sit here and hold this thing and think about this, the more I'm just gonna overthink it. So like yeah, just get out of my hand. I think a match between you and I would be very fun because I am the exact opposite. I'm a second person thrower because for me, it's like I want to maintain that heart rate, that semi consistency during the match. And I enjoy throwing second because it's like the first person I can't control. I can do nothing about whether you're a fast thrower or a slower thrower, but I can control when I go. So it helps me reset, check myself and make sure that I feel centered before I throw. doesn't always work, but that's what I at least tell myself I'm going to try and do. Do you like so as like a, as the second thrower, um, do you like do you wait to see what your opponent threw or do you just like do you just like blank out that whole other side of the lane and that other side of the lane doesn't exist? That other side of the lane if I'm doing it right, does not exist. All I care about is that person's throne. I have zero distractions. Now everything is clear and calm and I'm there and it's just up to me. Yeah. See, I don't think I have like the restraint to be like, I'm not going to look at their score. I'm not going to look at their score. I'm not going to look. They threw a five. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. Like I, so um, I throw duels with Joe Miller and th- this exactly happens. Like he does the countdown and then he'll catch me sometimes looking at him and be like, why are you looking at me? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll start the countdown over. <laughs> That's Yeah, I, I'm very much like I, I, I did. I think maybe my like third or fourth season of IETF ever. I'm like, I'm going to like I'm going to throw second. Like, I'm just going to force myself to do it. And I'm just to it. Like, I, I think I did like most of it second and then get to playoffs. and like, I just uh, no, I can't wait. Yep. And and I feel like there's pros and cons to both, especially because it's like, well, if you're first, it's up to the person behind you to match or whatever. So it definitely puts the pressure and it's like, cool, that's done. Now I just get to kind of decompress until the next throw. Yeah, that's the it's like in the positive situation, you're like, all right, cool. Like I'm applying pressure, uh, yes. but it's and you're like, but you, 
Sometimes you're like, oh, cool. Like, oh, I, I, you have to, like, at best, you can keep up with me. Uh, but then when I throw a four right out of the gate, then, like, well, starting off strong. I, I feel like I do that a lot where I, I build up so much stress going into a match. I love opening with a four or three and my opponent does the same thing because then it kind of breaks the tension and we all have a good laugh at it. And it's like, all right, all right, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, um, so I still I still haven't thrown my first 64 yet in Waddle. Um Same. I've thrown and I've thrown 81s in on ITF but like on the old clutches. Uh mm-hmm. and I haven't thrown an ITF league on the new clutches or I haven't thrown Premier yet. Um I have to go down to Austin for IATC round 1 in April and I haven't thrown a Big X in over a year so like that like I I almost feel like I shouldn't even like I'm going to go for the fun. Uh but like even if I like miraculously advanced of like somebody else that's practiced big act should probably get this spot. Like, um, don't, don't say that your Agdor is sitting right there. You gotta be nice to it. I have not been nice to it. <laughs> I need, I definitely need to be nicer to it. Um, well, uh, there, so like, so you mentioned like, or like, okay, cool. Like if heart rate gets too high, I gotta, I gotta do something to bring it down. What about the other way? Like where you're like, like, so if you're like, Oh, my heart rate's below this, you're like, all right, I got it. Like, like, what do you like? Like, what do you like? Is do you think that's like an indicator? You're like, you're kind of like checked out for like the day, or like you're just getting tired or fatigued, or like it's definitely fatigue for me. So, for throwing these long days in tournaments, I definitely am the person that I need to eat or have a snack or have like my drink. I usually, like, one of my friends, Rochelle, she always brings me Arizona sweet tea, and I'm just like, I love you forever because that was my lunch drink of choice as a kid so it kind of gives me those good vibe feelings of like hey i know this agrees with my stomach it's going to give me a little bit of energy and then i'll usually try and have like some sort of healthy ish lunch depending what's available like some protein and, and things like that to try and get it back up because once i'm running on empty like that's it i'm i'm just exhausted i need a nap and i have actually taken a nap during league during playoffs in between matches and and that's helped when i'm like super exhausted so whatever i can do to get the energy up so did you like wake up to somebody yelling your name like friend yeah, the, you gotta throw that that was so that was literally it um it was at axes and o's and anyone who's been there knows they have very comfy couches and i was just exhausted for the day so i was like cool they're running through b bracket i was lucky enough to be an a that day I just took a nap for like 15 minutes and everyone laughed at me, but that's the one league I won. <laughs> and everyone jokes saying, I don't know what power nap Fran took, but damn, it worked. <laughs> so I, um, like where urban access Austin is, is there, they used to have a coffee shop, like kind of within walking distance and I had like a food truck and, uh, I would like try and get there as early as possible and get like all my practice in before like everybody kind of showed up in like the last 30 minutes of practice. And I like just try and like go for a walk, get some food. And then and then, like I had like a, almost like a habit, like a, a routine of sorts uh, and then pandemic. And then I moved. Um, do you have any like uh, like habits or routines? So like you mentioned like the the like the Arizona sweet tea. Yeah. Um, like or like do you kind of like do any like type of like visualization exercise or anything like that? Oh, I, I do so much in terms of like mental work every day to prepare for league or for a tournament. Like I'm not, 
I have my routines the day of, but everything I try and do is to prepare for those days that are coming. So I used to use Headspace a lot. Um, That's a really fun mental health app. And then what I found works for me really well is the Calm app because there's different types of series as well. So it's like I have my daily meditation. There's like um, a daily stretching exercise. And there's also series about developing different mental aspects. Like LeBron James has a whole series on there that talks about competing and building confidence. So I, I absolutely love that. And I make it a habit to, you know, during my lunch break, take some time out for me, even if I can't go practice or go to league that night, I took these 15 minutes to prepare for whenever I get to the lane next. Okay. Uh, so, do you like, do you feel like you can, cause I, I always like struggle with like, like attribution, I'm like, all right, I did this thing and I can't directly say that it helped. But I also can't directly say that it hurt. Um, but I think that's like me overthinking stuff. Just like, ah, I don't know, I can't say that it helped. So then I'm like, ah, I'll try something else. <laughs> I don't think I struggle so much with the attribution part, but I definitely struggle with the what's next. So it's like, hey, you threw your high score today or whatever milestone I happen to reach. And I'm just like, oh, well what's next after that. So I'm really trying to work on enjoying the moment, taking the time to spend time with my friends, whether it's at league or, you know, like you mentioned, going out afterwards and really savoring the, Hey, yeah, you know, I hit whatever milestone or metric I want, but besides the point, I get to have this quality time with people that I care about that I didn't have two years ago. Yeah. That I, I think that's like important to keep in mind is that one one of the things that I I think is cool about the axe throwing community is because like I've had like I did jujitsu in college and like and so I but like I never hung out with like my jujitsu people outside of jujitsu but like they were family but like only contained to that like one kind of context um but like with it with axe throwing like I I feel like I see people like hanging out outside of axe throwing together. Um, you know, like for example, like, you know, twisted axes in Oklahoma had wait, like had a Christmas party for league people. And, uh, actually this is probably a fun time to tell the story. Uh, my wife, uh, she's like pretty much like fully vegan and I don't know how to cook. So I'm like, uh, and I'm a garbage disposal. I'm not a picky eater. So I'm like mostly vegan, but like if you put barbecue for under me and tell me you're going to throw it in the trash, if I don't eat it, I'm like, I'll eat that barbecue. I don't want it to go into the trash. Um, so we had a Christmas party and it was like a white elephant. And my wife is sitting there. She had like scratch off lottery tickets for her like white elephant. And then uh, the last person goes, I think it might have been Jen Gaddy. And she took the scratch off lottery tickets uh, and she was holding like a meat and cheese board. And my wife ended up with like the meat and cheese board. And me and my wife just look at each other, start laughing like she can't eat any of this. Uh, so then I ate meat and cheese for the next week. <laughs> That's awesome. And and I definitely do feel that way with axe throwing. Like it's yeah, we throw axes together, but we do a lot of other things like I have yet to try it. But I know a lot of folks in axe throwing do disc golfing together like um, some of my friends in axe throwing are in my bridal party that I'm getting married. It's like I'm getting married. And if you told me five years ago, hey, you're going to meet a bunch of these folks and you're going to have the time of your life. and They're going to become some of your dearest friends and family. I would have been like, wait, I sport. 
Like I learned to sport. What? <laughs> uh, I actually asked uh, Michael Barton a similar question. Where I'm like, if you could go back in time and just like, like tell like five years ago, you or 10 years ago, or like, or like high school, you or whatever, like, like where you currently are, like, like how, how do you think they would react? Like, like the, like, for example, uh, I, somebody's like, Hey, one day, like you're going to get to go to Toronto. You're going to qualify for the, like the international ax throwing championship in Toronto. And like one didn't know that's a thing Two, Uh, that's cool. That sounds exciting. Um, like, but I didn't think I'd be good enough to ever get to that point. Like, Oh, don't worry. You're just going to go one and two. Like (laughs) you're not going to go far. You're not going to make it to day two. I'm like, all right, cool. All right. That, that checks out. I mean, I think what I would definitely tell myself, especially in high school is that you're going to grow into someone that is more powerful than you will ever believe because growing up, like being 100% transparent, I was told you can't do something because you're a girl like, Oh, you can be successful, but only if you help your family. Oh, you can, you know, play music and things like that, or, you know, try out for a sports team, but only to get into a good college to benefit the family. It was very much that I did not I was not raised to have my own independence in terms of my own identity. And axe throwing is the first thing in my entire life that I have done for myself because I've wanted to do it for myself. So to just go back and tell myself when I was like, I have all these pressures to do all these things for not even myself and say, Hey, don't worry about it. You're going to get there and you're going to have a lot of fucking fun along the way with the people you're going to meet in this life that you have ahead of you. And and just to give myself that hope back then. Have you, um, so like, so it sounds like, right. Like, cause I, like I'm for just for like to give you perspective, like I'm five foot eight. And when I did martial arts, I fought at like one thirty five. So like I was like I was always like the tiniest person in my gym and I always got underestimated, but I always loved it. Like and I imagine like so like, you know, like you mentioned like growing up like, oh, you're a girl like you can't you know, like you're not gonna be able to compete or like, you know, um, do you like what was it like kind of like the for you know, like kind of the I guess because I'm sure you've had I've and I've seen that like. And a lot of times it's from like the people that like they don't stick around, like they don't last next to community. They come in, they're like, "We gotta play a girl." Like she's gonna beat you, dude. <laughs> like you, are, <laughs> you are sleeping. Like uh, you need. And then, and then, uh, but then I, I like watching the excuses afterwards. Like, oh well, that that board was too hard, or like, oh, like, <laughs> or like that 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 the judge scored it. They're like, no, dude, she just beat you. <laughs> like, um, but. Like, like, do you, I guess what was kind of like for you, like to kind of like get that satisfaction, like when, when you know that like somebody's kind of like underestimated you and you're like, uh, and you're like, oh, cool. This is going to be fun. I definitely think that wherever you come from, you have a lens that you view the world. So I'm not necessarily always mad at the person for having a stereotype because, or viewing me from a stereotypical perspective perspective of like, oh, this is a little girl, like this is going to be easy. I know that I have filters of the world where if you told me I'm friends with certain people in the axe throwing community, I would have said, I would have never 
met or even tried to connect with certain people, whether it's how they looked or their background, like an axe throwing has broken down those stereotypes for me. So I feel like in matches, it's definitely happened where people are like, oh, exactly the same type of thing you're saying. Oh, this little girl is going to come in here. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy throwing big acts is because it is so unexpected that I'm not, you know, a six foot five, like Greek God walking up here and just Canadian flicking into a six. Like I'm five, two and hefting it, but it's the idea of saying I didn't have a role model that looked like me walk up in any sport that I was watching at the time and saying, you know what, there's so many other people people out there and it should stop being a stereotype and that starts with every single person no matter what type of demographic you are walking up to that line and saying I can do this too and you respect me when you walk up to that line regardless of what I look like I agree I think like that's been one of my favorite parts about X-Ring it's like some of the other sports have done it's like okay like oh like it's just all dudes like and like sure or like or like you know like they're it's like it just didn't even or like and not only is it but it'll just be like it's like all right this is just all young aggressive dudes right and like that's cool and like i i i met that like i was one of those right like um but to go to axe throwing it's like like, i just feel like it's everybody like it's all the demographics yep. like all like like in like every dimension you know like it i like I like I think it's cool because uh, you know I'm I'm like in my mid 30s and my beard's turning gray and it's like all right well I think uh, the days of like peak physical fitness and performance <laughs> are long gone um, but I'm like oh I feel like I could still throw axes like for decades to come yeah absolutely like I'm I regularly have my butt kicked by cheese you know at the last tournament nine in the morning, I'm already just like, ah, first match jitters. And he is like, beautiful, nine and 10. See it. Have fun, Fran. Have a good day. And like pass me out in the back. And I'm just like, oh, well, there goes me thinking, you know, it's going to go because it's like, you know, I think this community is growing to respect each other. And in terms of breaking down more barriers like whether it's geography wise or across countries. And that's what I hope to see the sport grow into is where we have a common ground to sit down and understand each other, have a beer at the end of the day and say, you know, it was a good day because we all got to be here together. Cheers. I'm drinking a beer while recording this podcast. (laughs) I think I actually have to like, when I like publish it, they're like, is this adult content? Like, uh, I think I just made it. I think I, I think beer checks that box. I don't know. (laughs) Root beer, right? Root beer. No, this this is from, this is real beer. uh, (laughs) And I I do like root beer, but uh, no. Cool. Um, All right. Well, I guess, so I think we've been, I think pretty much covered everything on the agenda, I guess in the last kind of few minutes, is there anything that you want to plug? Do you have any sponsors? Anybody you want to give shout out to any like social media accounts that people should follow if they want to follow you? Yeah. So, um, number one, I just want to give a huge shout out to my axe throwing venues that I absolutely love. Um, my original venue down in Charlotte, um, 
OG Plaza, which is owned by Battle and Loso out there. Um, if you're ever in Charlotte, definitely stop by. You'll have a wonderful time. And then, you know, my new Axe family out of Urban Axe's Baltimore. I, I can't wait for their Urban Open in July. I always look forward to it. It's like the highlight of my summer. And then Axe's and O's in Sterling, Virginia. Like, it, it's a wonderful women-owned venue. Tara opened up in the middle of the pandemic and gave me a home when a lot of venues were shut. So highly recommend if you guys have a chance to stop by those venues, please do. Oh, sorry, uh, I was on mute. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think with that, I think that pretty much covers everything. Fran, thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for everything, Bill. Cool. Have a good one.